episode 137 of the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Sean St. Jacques back here with you. Talk Knicks, to talk NBA trade deadline, and all of the moves that happened today just a few hours ago. Dust is settled. The pens are down, as they say, and uh, not much on the Knicks front to really discuss as far as trade deadline moves. Knicks did not make any other moves at the trade deadline. Much to my uh, disappointment, I was kind of expecting it going into Tuesday that it didn't look like the Knicks were going to really pull the trigger on anything. Um, there's plenty to talk about with the Knicks besides that, but, um, the Knicks did not make a move and the the roster besides adding Cam Reddish, and we'll get to that in a second, um, has gonna, I should say is going to stay the same, which is very disappointing. The way the Knicks have played of late, most recently in Denver has led me and many others to believe the Knicks needed to do something. They needed to make a change. They did not, and it goes back to the front office and to Coach Thibodeau and and his staff, and we wait and see if the Knicks now can actually turn this season around. It continues to look bleaker and bleaker, Um, and I, to to be honest with you, I'm puzzled that the Knicks did not do anything. Uh, Some said that the the, the right trade wasn't out there. I, I don't know if that's the case. I, I have a feeling that the Knicks maybe were asking too high of a price for certain people, uh, for certain players, and uh, in the end, they did not get what they wanted, which is not the worst thing in the world, but the Knicks were willing to trade anybody, according to multiple reports, except for R.J. Barrett, who's now hurt, by the way. We'll get to that as well. So I, I don't know if they're in much of a position to have a price and you know stand by it because they had to make a move i thought the knicks had to make a move and teams that have to make a move are not going to be in that luxury position of getting to call the shot to get getting to call all the shots on these moves it just doesn't work like that if you're a team that's desperate to make a move sometimes you have to pay a little bit extra and i'm, I'm really surprised the knicks didn't do that um it was very disappointing to see that at one point, it looked like Julius Randle, who, again, I believe since the last show, unless uh, we missed it, but had informally asked for a trade away from the Knicks. And then, on top of that, uh, towards the end of the trade deadline, it looked like the Knicks were going to potentially move Evan Fournier and or Kemba Walker off of the team as well. Neither of those things, I should say all three of those things, did not come to fruition. Randall was not traded, and neither was Kemba or Evan Fournier. So the Knicks are stuck with what they've got. And just a number of things have been popping up over the last week that have been really, really frustrating to hear, frankly. I mean, at one point, you know, we're hearing reports that Tom Thibodeau never wanted Cam Reddish in a trade, and that's why he has four dmps since he has joined the knicks from atlanta and there was miscommunication between the knicks front office and coach tom thibodeau over getting cam reddish apparently the front office wanted him tom thibodeau did not want cam reddish and has since not played him because of that that's extremely alarming to hear it seems like at least publicly 
The Knicks have been in lockstep since Coach uh, Tibbs took over. And we're starting to see that maybe that has frayed a little bit. That's an extremely concerning thing to hear from a front office and a coaching staff. That they are not on the same page when it comes to acquiring players and what they think the team needs. It's not good to not good to hear. Especially when you need to make a move. And it, it, to be fair, we haven't seen enough of Cam Reddish for me to really make a verdict over whether I think he fits in the team. Now, I, I would say this. I'm glad to be rid of Kevin Knox. I think he's up an upgrade over Kevin Knox. But for the Knicks to only get Cam Reddish, and again, they didn't give up really anything for him, and not do anything else. I mean, that's really the part that doesn't make any sense. It's the latter part. The Knicks didn't do anything else. That's all they did before the trade deadline was get Cam Reddish for basically nothing, and they didn't do anything else to improve the team. I mean, at one point, according, uh, at least from social media, and, and I should say reports from on social media from what I was scrolling through earlier today, there was a brief mention that the Knicks could be involved in a three-team deal with the Lakers, and I forget who the third team was, to get Goran Dragic to come to the Knicks. And frankly, I, I mean, it was something. It's a position of need. I wouldn't have been opposed to it, especially considering who may have been involved. It's not the end of the world when you get a point guard out of the deal but apparently that that never really came close to coming to fruition. So the Knicks really, it, do, it sounds like, never really came close to even making a deal. And that's really, really frustrating to hear because the Knicks needed to make a deal. They needed to do something to shake this up. The Knicks are at their lowest point that they've been at all season long. And the fact that they didn't do anything to try and mix it up is astonishing to me. It really is. Now, again, and I believe actually now that I, now that I take another look at the, the list of trades here, uh, I believe the Raptors were the third team that would have been involved in this potential Knicks trade. So it would have been the Knicks, the Lakers, and the Raptors... And again, this is according to uh, Michael Scotto of Hoops Hype. That essentially, the Knicks would have traded Alec Burks and Cam Reddish to the Lakers. The Knicks would have gotten Goran Dragic. And then Talon Horton Tucker and Nerlens Noel would have gone to the Raptors. So, that's the kind of move I would have thought, hey, let you got to make sure that happens. That's an upgrade for the Knicks. I know, I, listen, I, I, I've been somebody that's been really excited about what Nerlens Noel did last year, but this year, he can't stay on the court. Can't make an impact. And when you're seven games under 500 and falling fast, I mean, it, it, it satisfies Tibbs, who doesn't want Cam Reddish on the team. Alec Burks, is a player that that's a great player but you've already got two other guys that can do what he does on the team and Nerlens Noel's not on the court enough and you get a guy in Goran Dragic who could possibly help to satisfy the point guard role it's something it's a deal it shakes things up it gives you some hope 
that things could turn around and to get Tibbs back on side with the front office potentially to make up for that Cam Reddish move. And then they don't they don't pull the trigger. They end up not pulling the trigger and the Knicks are stuck with where they're at. If that move was close to being done, the Knicks should have pulled the trigger on that. Now, again, the tough part with a three-team deal, to be fair to the Knicks, is maybe it was the Lakers at, at, at the, you know, towards the end. They were like, yeah, you know what? We're not going to pull the trigger here. Or maybe the Raptors. Maybe the Raptors were thinking, you know what? Horton, Tucker, and Noel, not enough for us. We're not going to do it. We're not going to pull the trigger. So, to be fair to the Knicks, in this case, at the 11th hour, maybe another team pulled out. And then, and then that's it. You know, it only takes one in a three-team deal to pull out, and then that's it, you know. But it's disappointing overall. There's no other way around it. There's no other way around it. The, the Knicks standing pat here is a huge disappointment. Now, on top of that, you look at the situation that happened in Denver with R.J. Barrett playing garbage time minutes, and then getting hurt in those garbage time minutes. It's why teams don't take the risk in the NBA. It's why you see teams resting guys some nights when they're a little bit older or in their early 30s. This is why in the regular season when it's when it can be grueling in games that are over, you take these guys off the court. This is why everyone talks about it. Now we await to see what happens with R.J. Barrett. He's already not going to play tonight against the Warriors. It's officially an ankle injury. And the, the only other thing I've read about it and seen is that R.J. Barrett is in a walking boot. So now what? Now what? And that's on Tibbs. That's on Tibbs. What, what, what the heck's he doing out there? Game's over. He's the one guy you said you're not going to trade at the trade deadline. Why are, you, why are you playing him in garbage time minutes? The game's over. Get him off the court. It's the NBA. It looks 10 times worse when somebody gets hurt in that situation. It's a really bad optic. And the, pie, uh, the, the problems, I should say, just continue to pile up for the Knicks. They're 24 and 31. They're going to lose tonight. They're going to lose at Golden State. They're, they're not winning that game. They're going to be eight games under 500. When we talk about that game next week, they, they will have lost that game. There, there's no way without R.J. Barrett, they're going to Golden State and winning. And frankly, if R.J. Barrett was healthy, they're not going to Golden State and winning. They're just not. Golden State's a top two team in the league with Phoenix. They're just not they're just not pulling that off. They're not doing it. And this is what I was afraid of. I said this last week. That if the Knicks stay in, stood pat at the trade deadline, these were the kind of issues that would now pop up. Because now that the Knicks have not tried to improve the team, they've not tried to shuffle it around and get something out of this team, you are now sitting with the same amount of problems, and now more have been added on, with the 
potential issues between Tibbs and the front office. And now your best player, arguably, this season is out and in a walking boot. I mean, what do you expect now? What do you expect? I mean, the Knicks season, in my opinion, came down to the trade deadline. They had to do something. And I'm starting to see people again say, well, what were they supposed to do? Something! Shake it up! Address the point guard position! Do what it takes to make a trade! And to see that a trade like that with the Lakers and Raptors was out there and the Knicks didn't get it done? It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. That's not a lot for Goran Dragic. Especially when you need a point guard so badly. So badly. You'd be giving up again. I'll go through it again. Nerlens Noel, who can't get on the court. Alec Burks, who... There's two other guys that can do what Alec Burks does on this Knicks team, with all due respect. You can figure it out. And then Cam Reddish, who Tibbs doesn't even want on the team! He doesn't want him! He doesn't want him! It it, it just... It looks worse and worse the more you examine it. And I got the confirmation from, from Woj a couple hours ago. No trades for the Knicks at the deadline. None. It's just another gut punch for this Knicks season. Just another gut punch. And, and frankly, this season now, and this is exactly what I thought was going to happen if the Knicks didn't do anything here. The, the season is now going to slowly but surely come to a close with the Knicks probably not making the playoffs. Maybe not even making the play-in. Maybe not even making the play-in. I just don't see the team as it's currently constructed digging themselves out of this hole. They're too inconsistent. They lack the ability to close out games. And they lose to teams they shouldn't they shouldn't lose to. And by my gosh, the 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 inconsistency at the Garden this year. For this team, Coming off of that season last year, it's just atrocious. And then again, you pile you pile on the rest, pile on the rest of the issues. It's just, it's just terrible. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below, at and at SJ7 on Twitter. That's all I can say. I open it up to you guys. I'm always curious to hear what you all think about it. Twitter, at SJ7, postingandtoasting.com, Shock Shock Knicks Podcast, in the comments below. I, I, I There's nothing else I can say. I, I, I mapped out this entire scenario on last week's podcast, and it played out exactly as I, as I, as I had, uh, as I had, um, what's even the right word? As I had feared. It turned out exactly as I had feared for the Knicks. And this season now is slowly but surely going to ebb away and lead to nothing. That's really what's going to happen. And then you're going to have to deal with Julius Randle's issues during the offseason. And again, 
figure out what the heck you're going to do with, with some of these fringe players on the roster. And the worst part is there's going to be no progress. No progress whatsoever to this Knicks season. You've taken a massive step back if you're the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. That's what is now being mapped out, and I fear that's what we'll be talking about for the next few months of the season. And the, the thing that actually aggravates me the most is we're going to get early early draft questions. I, I love talking draft, but I don't like talking Knicks draft that early because that means the season's done. The, 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 Knicks are, the, the Knicks season is, is essentially over at that point when you start talking draft during the season. And that's what we're going to have to start doing. That's what we're going to have to start doing when we get into March and April when, when the NCAA tournament really gets going in March. People are going to be asking draft questions because the Knicks are going to be out of it. They're going to be done. I just don't see them digging themselves out of this hole that they have dug for themselves. They're not climbing out of this one. They're just not consistent enough. So we'll move on. Again, let me know what you think, but at that po- that's, all, that's all, really all I've got for you at that point. So we'll see. They play Golden State tonight. They're probably going to lose, and we will, <laughs> we'll see what happens from there. That, that really is all it is at the moment when it comes to the Knicks. However, there's a lot of juicy trades. The trade deadline, again, if you look at the, the grand scheme of things, did not disappoint. My goodness. There was some really uh, big moves that were made on multiple fronts. Um, I really want to go through most of this in the second half of the show. I actually have less time than I thought. So I'm going to run through two quick ones, two that are not that... Not, not as consequential as some of the others, but the Boston Celtics ended up trading uh, Dennis Schroeder. They also traded Ennis Freedom, of course, and, and formerly known as Ennis Cantor, and Bruno Fernando, all to the Houston Rockets. And this is the odd part, to get Daniel Tice, who was just with them a season ago, I believe, or a season or two ago, he returns to the Celtics. Um, very odd. I think he's also dealing with an injury. I think he's day-to-day right now with an injury. So a very weird one for the Celtics. Uh, They've kind of just dumped Dennis Schroeder. Again, another player I thought the Knicks would have been wise to go after. Uh, We'll get to the Wizards in in the macro in a second, but they did um, trade Montrez Harrell to the Charlotte Hornets for Ish Smith and Vernon Carey Jr., the former Duke star as well so a little interesting one there also the suns made a move to get tory craig from the pacers they traded a future second round pick and former maryland big man jalen smith to the pacers who have been pretty active at the trade deadline themselves and then i'll you know i, I could fit one more in here Derek white was acquired for uh, by the celtics from the spurs and josh richardson romeo langford a 2022 first round pick protected one through four and swapping rights on a 2028 first round pick that all goes to the Spurs. So the Celtics were still very much in this, you know, made a couple of moves as well. They also got a future second round pick and, and, and traded away bull bull PJ Dozier future second round pick and cash considerations to the Orlando Magic. So, and by the way, Goran Dragic ended up getting moved. He ended up getting traded to the Spurs for a, a future first-round pick protected. Um, 
2022 and 2023 and then converts to two second round picks and in the end the Raptors got Thaddeus Young Drew Eubanks and a 2022 second round pick via the Pistons so lots of moving and shaking but we got the bigger moves to get to coming up next we'll get to Ben Simmons finally getting traded from the Sixers and a really unexpected trade that the Mavericks made involving a former Nick. All of that and more is next on the Shock Shock Knicks podcast on the Posting and Toasting Podcast Network. Second half of the show and a lot to get to on the trade deadline front in the macro around the NBA. My goodness, a lot of moving and shaking, two really big trades, and then a lot of other trades as well that could potentially make an impact as the season goes on but we have to get to the blockbuster trade first between two division rivals in the atlantic division a move that both of the headliners in this trade wanted and one that was obliged in the end the brooklyn nets trading james harden and paul Millsap to the philadelphia 76ers in return the nets get ben simmons seth curry andre drummond a 2022 first round pick they can defer until 2023 if they want and then a protected one through eight first round pick in 2027 a blockbuster trade at the trade deadline feels like we've missed that a little bit over the past couple of years i mean they've been they've been big moves but this is a blockbuster move and again we we talked about it during the off season we talked about it during the the summer preseason i mean between the the bucks winning the championship and the nba season tipping off we talked about at nauseum how Ben Simmons could not stay on this Sixers team for Philadelphia to be a factor. They finally moved him. They get James Harden back in return, who I guess was just fed up in Brooklyn. I, I just his his career continues to take weird twists and turns. And I mean, Houston, the situation there obviously wasn't good enough for him. He was he was tired of it. He got moved to Brooklyn, where I thought. He was on, when healthy, one of the best teams. And now he's thinking, that's not good enough. I'm going to go to Philly where, I again, I don't know if he's on a better team. It's a really <laughs> it's a really odd situation. I, I don't know if his chances of winning an NBA championship got better by going to the Sixers. I really don't. And Ben Simmons has got to be elated. He's got to be elated with what's happened here. Now, to be fair, the Nets getting Drummond and Curry make a lot of sense. Again, Ben Simmons, I, I mean, te- I mean, get l- listen, you're technically swapping guards here, but Ben Simmons and, and Kyrie Irving on the same floor together, I, I don't know how that works with Kevin Durant. The thing with James Harden is that he is a jack-of-all-trades kind of player. So with Kyrie, Irving and KD as much as I still think there's not enough basketball to go around they've been able to kind of make it work but now with Ben Simmons I I, because he's so one-dimensional on the offensive end of the floor I don't really know what that looks like now with him Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving who is still uh, not fully committed because of COVID protocols. So I, I don't fully understand from this from the Nets' perspective 
other than we got to get James Harden out of here or he's going to just bring down the rest of the locker room. Now, to be fair, the Nets get a lot back. You know, again, Seth Curry's a great addition. I think Andre Drummond makes sense for front court depth where Brooklyn has really been maligned at times, especially in the playoffs. So you get a little bit of depth there and you get some future picks, but you also did give up some of that front court depth in Paul Millsap in this trade. That's worth mentioning also. But I, I don't know if either the Nets or the Sixers got better here. I mean, you can argue that Philly wins the trade because you're getting rid of a guy in Ben Simmons that's been checked out now for over a year, and James Harden is James Harden. He's a stud. But I again, I don't know if Harden is joining a team that now is a is you know a bona fide title contender. I, I don't know if I would say that. You know, it's a tricky one. Now, listen, the Sixers will be in the mix. I think anyone at the beginning of the season that was, you know, saying the Sixers weren't going to be around at the end really misread this thing. Now, I thought that their title hopes were in big jeopardy if you continue to keep Ben Simmons on the team. That gets a little bit of a jolt with James Harden. But again, I don't know if the Sixers really got that much closer to winning a title here. I don't know. It's it's a tough, it's a tough thing. Now, you get rid of Ben Simmons, right? If you're a Philly fan, that's a huge win. It's a huge win right off the bat. But you lose Seth Curry and Andre Drummond. Not huge pieces, but big parts, especially Seth Curry. I, I thought you look at him and and you're thinking, man, that would have been a pretty big piece along with Ben Simmons to lose. Now, again, Ben Simmons is checked out, right? You're not going to get the best out of Ben Simmons. Will Brooklyn? I, I don't know. You'd hope. If you're a Nets fan, you're hoping you get the best out of him because you just lost a top 10 player in the NBA to get him. So there's a lot of risk involved for Brooklyn here, but they're hoping because, you know, Kevin Durant and Kyrie are there that they can kind of help Ben Simmons out and get him back on the right track. And will a change of scenery change Ben Simmons and his attitude? You know, when his lack of desire and hard on the court. That's the hope. That's what Steve Nash and, and the front office with Brooklyn are hoping is going to take place. But it's a blockbuster move. I, th- I think both, the I, like I said, I think the headliners are feeling good. I think James Harden's happy to be gone. I think Ben Simmons has been waiting for this for a long, long time. He finally got his wish. He's on a title contender. He's got to feel great. I, I, but Brooklyn takes on a lot of risk here. If this blows up in their face and James Harden, I don't know if he got that much closer to lifting the Larry O'Brien by going to Philly. Now, listen, Embiid is having a phenomenal year. He's again in the MVP conversation. But once again, you know, in the playoffs, the Sixers have been extremely underwhelming. Maybe James Harden changes that. I don't know. You know, we'll have to wait and see. But this is a trade that, you know, again, there's big names, but is there a big shift in, you know, the hopes of these two teams as far as winning an NBA title, excuse me, that will be determined as the season goes on. It's going to be really fascinating to see how this pans out. It really will be. It's a, it's so funny how these are the two teams, by the way, that end up linking up with this trade. It's the two teams that, that have the biggest, you know, at least publicly problems with, you know, personalities on their teams. 
you know, with Kyrie and James Harden in Brooklyn and, and Ben Simmons, you know, along with at times Joel Embiid in Philly. It's wild. <laughs> it's really, really crazy. But uh, it, it, it it's how it worked out in the end. It, it really is a wild, wild situation. We do have to mention this other trade as well. This one out of Dallas, extremely unexpected, at least from my vantage point. I, I think a lot of people, based on the reaction on social media, did not see this one coming. And uh, it, it's pretty... Um, short as far as what's involved but it's who's involved that really turned a lot of heads uh, basically the mavericks traded a future second round pick and chris taps porzingis to the washington wizards in return they get uh spencer dinwiddie the former net of course and uh davis bertans as well and i apologize if i'm mispronouncing his first name so this one took me by surprise I, I thought despite the injuries and things like that that you you, you thought you know with with Doncic that KP was the guy that was going to be his Robin uh to Luca's Batman and the Mavericks probably for a number of reasons most notably the the continued injury concerns with KP long term have decided to dump him and move him on to the to the DC area and get him over to the Wizards and the 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 thing that kind of stood out to me more than uh, Dallas making the trade to begin with, because when you get Spencer Dinwiddie and and Bertans back, it makes some sense. But the Wizards, who are trying to keep Bradley Beal right long term, is KP enough to to get Bradley Beal to think, you know what, this is where I want to stay for the long term? It, two guys now that in recent years have really struggled with injuries on the same team and they're supposed to be the stars i mean i get why the wizards make this move i do i do understand it you've got to try and keep bradley beal in in the frame of mind where he's thinking that the wizards are doing everything they can to keep me they want to build around me and getting kp you would think could send that message it's certainly possible he's a star in this league when healthy but the big issue is, is that enough? Is that enough of a move where Bradley Beal thinks about being a long-term member of the Washington Wizards? That will be uh, determined later, obviously. Uh, we'll have to see. Uh, and, you know, Bradley Beal obviously was someone who could have been on the trade block, but has opted to have season-ending surgery. So, we're not really going to know the answer to this question until either the offseason where Bradley Beal says, nah, not enough, not willing to try it, I'm out of here, get me out of here, or will they will he say, you know what, let's see what you do during the offseason, if you make it a little bit sweeter, we'll give this a run next year, potentially, or, or down the road. Fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff out of Washington there. And then Dallas, again, I don't think anybody thought they'd pull, a tr- pull the trigger on a deal like this but they have and you could argue they've gotten better with the addition of spencer didwitty and bertons who's pretty versatile for his size so and, and a player that you would you know think could fit in pretty nicely for dallas so another move where you, you kind of look and you think huh dallas is kind of going for it here and it's an interesting one no question about it i have to wait and see 
how that one pans out. It'd be very fascinating with the Mavericks, who again are not exactly in that mix as far as being a contender in the West. I mean, it's really, it's Phoenix and Golden State. I think then you would put maybe Utah and Denver after that. And then, I don't know, does does Dallas, would you put Dallas ahead of the Lakers if they're healthy? The Clippers haven't been healthy for most of the season as well. It's it's a wild, wild time in the West at the top half of the standings. And Memphis, I keep forgetting about them. Memphis, you can't put Dallas ahead of Memphis right now. So does this put Dallas in that mix? I don't know, but we'll have to wait and see how it pans out. Another one, again, a classic trade deadline uh, move around here, if you will, carousel, a four-team trade involving the Bucks, the Kings, the Clippers, and the Pistons. And we'll get to the Kings as well. I don't think we mentioned this on the last show. I think it happened between shows. We'll get to the Kings in a moment. But the Bucks, in the end, getting Sergi Baca, Cash, and two uh, future second-round picks... The Kings get Dante DiVincenzo from the Bucks, who's been injured and didn't get to be involved a lot in their championship season a year ago. Trey Lyles, former Kentucky star, and Josh Jackson, who I believe is the former star out of Kansas, I believe. They all go to the Kings in this trade. Uh, and then in the end, the Clippers get Rodney Hood and Semi Ojale, the former smu star former celtic as well he go they go to the clippers and the former duke star marvin bagley the third goes from sacramento to detroit which makes them a little bit more interesting now i know they're not for this season right but kate cunningham marvin bagley the third that gets a little interesting for the future of the detroit pistons but i like what the bucks did here i really do i i think you you get a little bit of of um you get you get a few guys off the roster here who have not really been around to help the cause you add a veteran in Serge Ibaka who you know again when PJ Tucker moved on to to Miami a lot of people thought well who's going to be that veteran you know along with Giannis and Middleton on this team not that it's been a huge question but now you add a little bit more leadership Serge Ibaka could still play really strong on the defensive end of the floor, this becomes a very interesting four-team trade, frankly, for uh, for the Bucks, The Kings really moving and shaking more than we expected, I think. And again, the real shocker from them we'll get to in a second to wrap things up. Rodney Hood going to the Clippers, and he was at one point a real mainstay in Portland. And that situation continues to, to and again we'll get to the cj mccollum trade in a second marvin bagley the third going to detroit from sacramento fresh start but it's a it's a rebuild you know it really is but there's other young talent led by Cade cunningham there that make it an interesting situation so another blockbuster a lot of a lot of pieces moving around so we'll see We'll see. I, this one before the trade deadline was actually um, tough to see for, for one guy involved in particular. It was a three-team trade between the Jazz, the Spurs, and the Blazers. Nikhil uh, Alexander-Walker and um, Juancho Hernan Gomez go to the to the Jazz. Sadoransky and a second-round pick to the Spurs. And then 
guy that just had a massive injury, Joe Ingles, gets traded from the Jazz, a place where he's fit in so well, and the fans love him there, and his teammates, from all indications, love him as well. He now goes to Portland, along with Elijah Hughes in a second-round pick. What a tough week it must be for Joe Ingles. Just got hurt on the court, you know, in a game that, you know, where the Jazz seemed to be okay at the time, but still got to play hard, right, to finish it out, and and he gets hurt. Uh, he hurt his knee in that in that game, and then just a couple days later, I believe, if I've got it uh, right on the timeline, he gets traded to uh, to the Portland Trailblazers. It's tough, tough to see that, to be honest, but uh, I'll have to wait and see. Of course, uh, he'll be done for most, if not all, of the season, and uh, and now uh, we'll see what the Blazers do. Knicks actually play the Blazers coming up on Saturday, so we'll have to wait and see what happens there, but for Joe Ingles, it's, it must be a uh, a really, really difficult time right now. Tough one. Tough one to see for a guy that, that's always fun to watch in the playoffs. No question about it. Now, the big trade that happened earlier this week, this actually happened on Tuesday, and was one that not many saw coming, at least publicly. It was between the Pacers and the Kings, and one of the reasons the Kings weren't expected to make this deal is simply because their ownership came out, or I should say their front office came out, and said, here's the deal. We're not moving De'Aaron Fox. We're not moving Tyrese Halliburton. Everybody else is up for grabs, right? And that turned out to be the case. However, the Kings end up trading Tyrese Halliburton. And they trade him to the Indiana Pacers. And to be frank, the Kings didn't get a ton back here besides DeMontis Sabonis in the trade. Now, you could argue Halliburton for Sabonis makes some sense. But the Pacers also get Buddy Heald in the trade. And they get Tristan Thompson. Kings in return get Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second round pick. Now we'll see who wins the trade. But I was shocked that it only took DeMontis Sabonis to get the, the Kings out of bed here and say, all right, now we're listening. I was a little surprised to hear that, the way they were being very defensive of Halliburton and Fox. And Halliburton, and I think J.J. Reddick said this on ESPN the other day, and I thought it was a really great take. Tyrese Halliburton, and to be fair, he's defending his guy, right? There should be a little bit of context here. They do a lot of podcast work together through J.J.'s podcast, so they're very close. But what he said still made a lot of sense, you know? There is some bias there, but... J.J. Reddick's take I thought was spot on. Tyrese Halliburton has only, has only said publicly that he wants to be a part of the long-term vision of the Sacramento Kings. Every press conference when this question comes up about his future, he says, I, I've bought in. I'm, I'm with the Kings here. I want to stay with them. The amount of players that have ditched the Kings over the years and said, nah, I, I don't trust these guys. I, I don't want to be a part of this vision. They're not. This is not going anywhere. I'm out of here. And Tyrese Halliburton, who's a future star in this league, says, I want to be a part of it. 
And in return, in return, the Kings trade him. It's, that's got to be tough to swallow for Tyrese Halliburton. And the Pacers, who needed to shake things up, get a nice haul in return. They really do. Halliburton, Heald, and Thompson is a nice little group to get for DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday. Now, again, they give up a second round pick, but it's in 2027. A lot of people got thrown. 2027 picks around here but jeremy lamb is not exactly lighting the world on fire here not having a great season seven points per game and, and justin holiday just a little bit better 10 uh 10.9 points per game but you get a lot back if you're indiana you really do halliburton's a future star buddy healed is a guy that a lot of contenders were looking at could be a really nice fit in indiana and then Tristan Thompson, who's still got a lot left in the tank. And is having a decent season. So I, I think when you look at this trade, the, the Pacers have got to be saying, wow, this is exactly what we were hoping for. Wild, wild stuff. Those are the highlights from the week that was in trades. Actually, hold on. I forgot to mention one that I mentioned earlier. We'll get out of here on this one. Same day. Same day as the trade for, you know, between the Kings and the Pacers, the Pelicans and Blazers had their big deal. Pelicans getting CJ McCollum, Larry Nance Jr., and Tony Snell from the Blazers. And in return, the Blazers get Josh Hart, Sadoransky, who has since been traded. <laughs> Same with Nikhil Alexander-Walker, since been traded. And uh, DD Luzada as well. 2022 protected first round pick and second round two second round picks mixed in as well so in the end the pacers us the pacers my goodness the blazers blow it up you know they could have run it back one more time with when dame gets healthy but they said you know what we got to move on we got to move on i wonder what that means for damian lillard's future in portland i wonder if that's it i wonder if that's the last straw and we see Damian Lillard get moved on during the offseason. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Remember, the Knicks reportedly have been involved in some of those talks. Take that with a grain of salt. Take that with a giant grain of salt with the way things have developed over the last month. No question about that. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. That's it, though. Those were the big moves of the trade deadline. If I missed any minor stuff, let me know what you think. In the comments, what do you think was the biggest trade of the trade deadline? There's actually a few contenders here in my mind that you could really throw into the mix. And let me know what you think about the Knicks standing pat at the trade deadline, as at least I and many others on, on social media and, and in you know the circles that I like to talk to, you know, other Knicks fans and NBA fans had feared. So let me know what you guys think at SJ7 on Twitter and of course postingandtoasting.com in the comments below that's gonna do it for this week's episode of the podcast really crazy stuff with the nba trade deadline uh and obviously with the knicks on and off the court as always love talking with you all hit me up have a great week and we'll talk more knicks and we'll talk more hoops next time on the shock shock knicks podcast on the posting and toasting podcast network